Ben Simmons. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Welcome to episode 7 of the Lunchtime Catch-Up, where two blokes that have known each other for 30-odd years get together every day um, and talk everything sport, but mostly Essendon. Yep. Welcome, Scotty. Hello, everyone. Well, the VFL game was probably the highlight of the week this week, uh, with a brilliant six-point win after being 44 points down at quarter time. The end of the game, having a Leo Barry-type moment with uh, with our man Aaron Francis, taking a huge contested mark um, to help save the game and beat the top side in the Box Hill Hawks. Union kicking four, Bird 28 disposals, Much with 22, again, and Hartley with 21, while also shutting down Ty Vickery, I reckon, with a standout. Begley, Hocking, O'Brien, Redmond, Francis, all playing their roles as well. So we thought this week... To get the uh, the inside guff on what's happening in the VFL, we'd go straight to the source, uh, Mr. Paul Corrigan. Yeah, guys, um, we we teed up. Um, big thank you to uh, my good friend Justin Rodsky and uh, a few thank others, you, at Justin, the, and a few others at the club to help sort of arrange this. Um, so yeah, we're um, going to have a, a, a lengthy chat. Uh, with Paul Corrigan, and, and we're going to go through some of your favourite players yeah, and that's right. have a discussion with them. We'll do a bit of a review of the VFL game. So, look, I hope you find this informative, um, and let's start the interview now. So let's go to Paul. Good evening, Paul. Welcome to the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast. Um, first of all, we just wanted to say a big thank you for taking the time out to uh, to chat with us today. Um, the VFL team's always had a, a strong interest with the Essendon fans and especially um, the ones that, uh, that listen to our podcast. So I know that they'll be uh, really eager to hear your thoughts tonight. So um, I thought we'd, we'd start off just with the, um, go straight into the questions. And after the first quarter with the Hawks um, game recently, they, they had a strong... Uh, they had the wind um, strongly in their favour, uh, and being the, the the hunters around the ball, you must have been very pleased with the resilience of the group to turn it around by half time. It was amazing. Um, how as a coach do you address the situation at quarter time and get the boys to keep their heads up um, and focused when you're down by that much? Yeah, firstly, thanks for uh, having me, guys. And yeah, it was. It was sort of a uh, obviously a strong breeze that was going down um, one end, and we were also kicking against it in that in that first quarter, and we probably didn't I guess the contest was a big focus for us going into the game and we knew if we could sort of control that 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 would lead us into I guess if we could own that and get good clearances from it um, and I guess take away their ball on the outside then we could restrict that and hopefully restrict their scoring but they seemed to do that pretty well in that first quarter and they got some really good looks going inside 50 Um, we put our defenders probably under a lot of pressure in that first quarter, and we just couldn't seem to get the ball out of our defensive half. And I just sort of spoke to the guys at quarter time, and even though we were down by seven goals, I, I felt we were still in the game. If we could really get back to the way we wanted to play and control the contest, and then get our ball moving going from there, and I just sort of, you know, just reiterated what we'd spoken about before the game, and and just said, look, there's no need to do anything differently, no need to go away from what we spoke about um, before the game. Let's get back to sort of owning that contest and just making sure we look after the outside a bit more and don't give them so much free ball um, on the outside. And I thought we started to control that a lot. We started to obviously generate some ball movement ourselves. We started to get some clearances and we started to get then get some good looks going inside 50 and, and we got some good matchups and as a result, we uh, we hit the scoreboard and, um, you know, in our favour, we kicked eight goals in that second quarter and it really got us back in the game. And um, I guess when we got to half time, we just addressed what had happened in that first quarter and how we could approach it a bit differently um, in the third quarter. And, you know, to the boys' credit, they were tremendous in that third quarter. Um, we yeah. wanted the game to look like, you know, in the contest and we got that. We restricted their scoring and we gave ourselves every opportunity going in nine points down at three-quarter time and um, in that last quarter it was sort of a bit of a struggle but we were able to kick you know three goals straight and I think they kicked three points so that sort of got us over the line which was uh, which was fantastic. Yeah I must admit it was a it was a strange game in, in the sense of how the first half played out and you could tell in the second quarter yeah definitely the the guys had it such much more appetite for the contest. But then it was interesting how the first half played out and then how the second half played out, how it became a bit of a tug of war, like a, a quite a, a, 
it felt like to me like a real inside contested struggle on who was going to sort of I guess break free when you have a guy like Omira who in the first half um, you can tell he's obviously having a big influence in the game how do you as coach sort of handle that as far as with the VFL do you still want the guys to actually learn how to develop just to win their own contests or do you actually also have a view of maybe even having a shutdown type role yeah we did look at it because two of them you know Mira and Moore had sort of kicked uh, two goals each in that first quarter. So they were almost just getting out of the contest a little bit quicker than what we were and mm. probably had the sensitive transition in getting out wasn't where it needed to be. And we were probably getting caught in the contest a little bit too much. Um, so we just sort of spoke about that. We we said to the guys, look, we don't want to run a tag because obviously we back you guys in. And all year we've been really strong in our clearance work and as a contest team. So... We thought, no, let's back the guys in. Um, we sort of played an extra round, uh, round of stoppages in that second quarter, which which helped us. Yep. Um, and it probably reduced the way they sort of got out of stoppages and we probably created more density um, around it, which worked into our favour. So we just felt, even though Amira got a couple of, um, I guess, handballs in, early in that second quarter, we felt that he wasn't being as damaging as what he was in that first quarter. So we, we tended to stick with our structure and back our structure in and, yeah, it worked for us uh, in that second quarter and got us back in the game. Yeah, and I thought, I must admit, I thought um, Hartley on victory was a really crucial win for for you guys. Um, Hartley seemed to sort of at least sort of negate that kind of key, I guess, offence forward that they had. So I thought he had a, quite a huge game for you guys. Yeah, he did. And, you know, obviously he's had some good performances at, um, at AFL level and, and he came back and performed really well. As we know, Vickery can sort of be one of those players that can be quite dynamic as a tall forward and he can he can kick goals, you know, relatively quickly if he gets a yeah. you know, ball coming inside 50. So I thought Hart and the other defenders around him, you know, really defended really well after sort of, you know, quarter time. Um, they were under pressure and under siege in that first quarter. So um, I thought he did a, a terrific job. And he, and he also got involved offensively forward as well, which, yep. is, uh, which is really important. Yep. Paul, I don't know, when I talk to um, other supporters, other Don supporters, and, and even just my own mind, um, I wonder whether or not it'd be fair to say that in the the VFL team this year is in some way sort of mirrored the seniors in as far as having some moments where the team can be good enough to beat anybody, um, but maybe consistency just isn't there on a week-to-week basis. Um, are we seeing the effects of having um, such a huge transition of new players coming through both sides? Yeah, we've, it's, it's, it's an interesting one in the VFL because obviously I've been involved in the VFL for five years now. Um, when you look at the trends at the sort of first half of the season, we've always been a little bit inconsistent in the fact that sometimes we don't get, you know, the wins that we should and we sort of get fluctuations in our form. And, and, it, and whether it's you guys coming in adjusting to the way we want to play and recognising what the game plan looks like, you know, yep. what roles they're performing, I think it does take time for, to, for players to adjust. Um, and we saw it this year. We've we've had some you know terrific performances, and then we've sort of followed up with some sort of inconsistent performance as well. I guess the positive from our point of view is we haven't been blown away this year yet, but we've had some really good wins um, yeah. as well. And I, I think now we're starting to see like guys understand you know their roles and the way we, we want to play and what the game plan looks like, and we're starting to see a, a more consistent approach week in week out. And I think. You know, with the, the win against Box Hill, you know, on the weekend and back that up with the, the win against Collingwood, uh, you know, two weeks before that, I think the guys are starting to really gain some confidence, you know, going forward. And it's funny because we've sort of seen that in previous years in the VFL um, as well. So hopefully, um, you know, over the next few weeks, we can we can see our best form coming together and, and hopefully take that uh, into finals. Yeah, you, you get a sense when I watch Essendon... Um... You get a sense, uh, if we're talking AFL level, you get a sense that how the Bulldogs kind of the, they finished the old seventh scenario, but they obviously had yep. the capability of beating everyone. I always get the sense when I watch Essendon and then when they're really on song that that's the kind of form they can hit um, with, as soon as consistency hits. And maybe, I don't know if it's self-belief, but, but, but even the consistency, if that comes to, to play, then there's really actually an exciting <laughs> year ahead. Absolutely, there is. I mean, I, I spoke to the boys after the game about it and just said, look, we're actually capable of, of anything because our, our best is very, very good, but we've got to try and find that, that 
consistency and level of what our best looks like and how how much can we maintain that you know within games because when we do we've shown that we've we've played against Box Hill we've beaten the top side we've played against Williamstown we've beaten Williamstown it's just how able are we with our mindset to be able to you know continue that and how long can we do it for so um, you know, I've, I've given the guys, you know, they, they should have a great belief that, you know, they're capable of whatever they can do. And, you know, obviously we've got another really crucial match against the Bulldogs um, yeah. this week. And, and we haven't beat them a... this year, right? Have, have we? No, have we, we lost... haven't. We lost, to them. we lost to them by three or four points um, earlier in the year, which was a tight... Uh, yeah, I remember that game. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if we're able to, you know, perform really well this weekend and get another win, then... You know, it gives great confidence that we can sort of chase the top four spot, which, which gives us a double chance. So, um, yeah, it's exciting what lies ahead in the next couple of weeks. With the game style that we play, does Windy Hill actually suit that? I was just actually curious the other day looking at because it's obviously some little, like near the cricket nets. It's it's a few strange dimensions around the oval. Does that do, does that actually suit our style of play in a weird way? It's sort of funny because we actually do play well there. But then when you look at where we train at Tolan Marine and we train on the MCG like sides oval that we're sort of used to, to the bigger grounds and the way we play. But it's just something we're really adjusted to try, uh, playing at Windy Hill that yeah. we sort of know the know the ground really well. We know know how to play it and we seem to, you know, perform pretty well there when we do. So it's sort of become, you know, a good home base, you know, for us uh, playing there. But we also know too that you know when finals come around that you can be playing at like Port Melbourne, which is a similar size ground. And then, but we're obviously the the big one if you if you happen to get to the grand final is on Eddie Head, which is a bit bigger again. So yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of a ground that we we have become accustomed to and we know how to play it really well. And and you can score quite quickly at Windy Hill too, which is the other yeah the other true thing too. Hey, look, um, so obviously when when we discussed that you were going to come on. No doubt, a whole bunch of names gets typed out and say, "Can you please discuss about this person?" <laughs> a lot of a lot of them recurring. Um, look, so we're going to get the elephant in the room out of the way, and yep. it's the, and it's the guy who's pretty much saved us in the last five yep. seconds of the game. Though it's obviously a team effort, but um, the incredibly talented elephant that is. Um, yeah. So look, obviously Aaron Francis is is a, a big talking name at the club, yep. and guys love watching him play in the VFL. Um, it's pretty obvious how his progressions happened this year as, as far as building fitness. Um, I reckon it's what's been really important with Aaron is the continuity. Um, yep. Now now that he's had, I'm, I'm only guessing, but eight or ten weeks in a row, um, yep. I've just been able to tr- probably train and play. Um, obviously, he's requested to go down back, and that seems to have settled him. How, how you see his tracking and, and where he's going so far this year? Yeah. Sometimes we, we forget, like, too, is... You just know, turned 22. Young, young yeah, <laughs> exactly. The, you know, the expectations can be, like, right from the start, that they should be, you know, playing, you know, brilliant football um, straight up. But, you know, every player that comes in is different and, and how they adjust. And then, all you know, they're all different in the way and the positions that they play as well. And, you know, Aaron's, you know, had some injury things that he's had to deal with, you know, over the time that he's been at Essen. So like you guys have said, he hasn't had that consistency in training, you know, in games for, for long periods. And he's just starting to put that together now. And we're starting to see, you know, consistency more in his football in the way he's playing. I think that's that's the big thing. The more we can get these guys, you know, at a level where they're training week in, week out, and they're not missing and they're playing consistent games, they adjust to the level, you know, a lot quicker and yeah. I think for Aaron that that's that's the biggest thing and you know he's training really hard he's you know he's doing everything that's asked of him and and now we'll hopefully start to see that consistency continue you know not only in his training but it'll hopefully come out you know in his games um, as well and um, you know I think you know the glimpses that he that he has shown I think we'll start to see more of that consistently through games uh, going forward as well yeah yeah and I thought it was an interesting um little tactic that you did that while we had the win in the second quarter, you started to put him down forward. Um, yeah. I actually, I actually thought it was a good idea. <laughs> so Yeah, um, it's just, sometimes it's just an adjustment. And you can sometimes see guys that maybe aren't so much in the game or, you know, where you can actually maybe adjust them a little bit to a different position that may get them back in the game and then you can bring them back. So um, we just felt that it was a, a good move for us. It was what we sort of needed at the time. We felt that Aaron was the best player for us to be able to do that yeah. and he did he went forward he competed really hard he's got 
tremendous power and tremendous speed, which is hard to match up on because he's very good in the air as well. So um, we just felt to give us a different dynamic in that quarter forward. And then, you know, you look at what he does later in the game where he goes back and, and takes that really strong contested mark. Um, yep. Help us win the game. He's got great attributes to play, you know, either end of the ground. Can I ask the query just for you as coach? When you have a guy like Aaron and you've got Langford and a few others, when when they are playing VFL, they're obviously playing their ideal position that the probably the club wants them to play in in two or three years' yep. time. So, like a Langford um, as an inside mid, um, yep. is that? Is that actually? I, I sometimes feel like people undervalue that kind of key development. Like, so yeah. if they do get if they do get a senior call up, sometimes Langford might play on a half forward or or a Francis at a, even a, a similar position. But yeah. there's there's a real value in actually putting him in key halfback post, key inside mid, and and really being able to develop them so when they're ready for a call up, they've actually learnt that position for a long time. Yes, certainly, and. And we try and encourage as much flexibility as possible because you'd, you'd see in the AFL, you know, ranks these days that many players can go through multiple positions. And I think the more flexibility you have as a player, it enables you to, to obviously stay in the team and help the team more. If there's gone to the days now of having just one-dimensional type players, and even if you're looking at say key backs, key backs can play now on calls and, and smalls. Um, with great, you know, sort of when you look at a Francis who might play back, you can play on a, a bigger type opponent and then you can actually play on more of a ground level opponent as well. And that's just the flexibility that's needed. And yeah. Like a Langford, um, you know, obviously he's played, you know, a lot of midfield at VFL and that's going to develop because one day we think he can become a really good, you know, midfield player. But we also give him spurts forward because we know that if he does go to AFL level, there's going to be time that he will spend forward. So we don't want to lose that, that craft as well of him playing forward because there are times even in AFL games where it may not be working for you as a mid that you might go forward and then you might produce something for the team that helps the team when you do go forward as well. Yeah. And that's the other part. I mean, you, the the likes of Francis and Langford and that sort of stuff, we're, we're teaching these guys a lot and they're, they're kids, they're 20 years old, they're 19 years old and it, 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 must, it must be difficult for them to, to learn that inside mid craft and then also to get down to forward as well. So I I guess sometimes when people want to see Aaron playing in the in the seniors and kicking five or taking yeah. fifteen marks across half back, everybody needs to take a bit of a deep breath. To, it's a it is a very steep and very detailed learning curve for these kids. It certainly is, and it's you know it's obviously our responsibility as coaches to make sure that we're giving them this information, but also that we're not overloading these guys so we actually make them confused when they come to training and come to game day as well. So there's. There's a real, I guess, when you go there, you want to give them all this information out and give them as much as you can, but you've got to be really careful and, and sort of drip feed it to them that they know the basics really well and then you start yeah. to build on that as their careers develop and um, you get certain players who just can't take in a whole lot of information and even when we're doing education stuff, you know, at work with these guys where it's, you know, watching their games, watching edits, we've got to be really mindful that we can't give these guys, you know, 15 to 20 different things. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we might give them, you know, two things. And sometimes as coaches, all you want to do is, you know, focus on the RFIs. But why, why should we do that when they come to the club with all these strengths? Let's focus on their strengths. Let's focus on what got them here in the first place yeah. and get them even better with their strengths as well as, you know, working on a couple of, you know, basic fundamentals that maybe room for improvements as well. That's so it's really, really, really fine balance. Yeah, so I think we get lost a little bit that, you know, as... I guess general public can sort of look at these players and go, oh, you know, why is he continuing to do that? Why would he just be just working on this? Well, you know, his strength may be that he's a beautiful kick. We we don't want to spend all his time just on marking or whatever because we want to enhance it. You know, he's a great kick, so let's really use that as a weapon, as a strength, and make sure that we keep working on those areas as well as, you know, the, the areas for improvement. Now, one player that's really caught my eye this year, I'm, a, I'm an old defender from way back in the eastern suburbs, um, is uh, my main my man uh, Ridley? Yep. He seems very very composed um, in the back line, and I mean my my opinion of what is AFL <laughs> quality and what's not is probably much less than yours. Uh, but I just I look at him in the way he he moves, the positions he puts himself in, and he's very composed. It just looks very AFL like. Yeah, he is. He's uh, and obviously he had an interrupted uh, start to the season. Yeah, with his, uh, with his back, but. 
you know, now he's starting to build some continuity, you know, in his training and, and games that he's played uh, in this back half of the season. And um, he's been he's been terrific for us. He's just grown sort of each game. He's, he's understanding, you know, what it's like to come from, you know, the TAC Cup level now into what sort of playing, you know, adults footy where he's coming across bigger bodies each week. But he reads the game, you know, so well. And there's so much more upside to him, you know, learning his one-on-one defensive craft against bigger opponents. But... The ability for him to come off his man, to, to be able to read the play, to intercept. That's the big run get, for me. Yeah, to be able to get the ball in offense too because he's he's got such a beautiful kick on him too. That yeah. He's one guy that we want the ball in his hands to be able to you know come out of half back and, and deliver the ball going forward in yes. offense forwards as well. So again, there's a different, you know, a lot of different combinations there that we want him doing, but we want him sort of working on, on his strengths as well as be, becoming a really good one-on-one defender also. Yeah. So, if Josh Begley is a, is a guy that probably... Also my man. Also my man. <laughs> we're, so, we're, we're, we're near the Furniture Gallery area, so we kind of celebrate yeah. these guys. Yep. Um, so, uh, look, two years ago, we know Josh Begley, two years ago, he was the furthest thing from AFL football as far as fitness and probably even commitment in some ways. Um, to see his progress is pretty amazing to us. Um, I'm just wondering, with the likes of, of Job and Stance and, and getting sort of on, on in their careers, is there a possibility of Josh Begley actually could be uh, touted as a midfielder? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when you, when you look at Beggs now, he's playing a lot of footy for us forward, but we're sort of giving him snippets you know, through the midfield just to learn that craft and, and what that's like. He's He's a really strong body, but yeah, real with that strong animal, body, like. yeah, he, he's got an ability to get to the outside. He's a really, you know, a really good runner um, for us as well. Like he, he's probably one of our highest. Uh, I guess when you look at the load that they do in a game, he's probably one of our highest on a weekly basis. Okay. Um, that covers the ground uh, for us. I bet well. a lot so of people didn't re- know that. Yeah, he's got a really good ability to to get up and down the ground. So. He's a great one to, to, you know, just push through the midfield at times to give us a different look. Um, he's strong over the ball, but he's, he's also uses the ball on the outside really well also. So um, I've got no doubt that he'll play um, as his career develops. He'll play, you know, forward, but he'll also, you know, play through that midfield uh, role as well. Kind of touch of the Paul Chapman's about him, that guy, I reckon. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I always thought as far as a bit of an engine, he had a bit of Stewie Cremary. So just a, yeah, a oh, touch of that kind of forward super mid. Super strong. Um, but yeah. can, but has power, but runs all day. So, I uh, look um, the Redmond. I've been looking at Redmond closely the last couple of weeks. Um, I actually think he gets a little bit undersold by fans. I know the the hype is on probably the previous players we've mentioned, but I'm actually really liking his progress. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts. He, he seemed to do a bit of a switch to a, a, a like a key defence, not key defence. Sorry, more of a a half back role. Um, yeah. I actually really like his progress and how he's maturing. He's a real competitive animal from what I see from the fence. Um, how, how are you sort of seeing his progress? Yeah, absolutely. Like you guys have, we see a, a huge competitiveness in, in uh, Redders. Um, he's obviously gone back um, from playing sort of that, that forward uh, role that he was when he first came in. And um, we've seen him grow, like even over the last, say, six to eight weeks um, from the VFL perspective, he's been learning, you know, what it's like to be... A, a defender playing one-on-one but also we want to encourage him to be an offensive weapon coming out of um you know halfback yeah as well so you know obviously teaching him the principles of defense and what that looks like um but then also finding that balance of when to be able to come off in offense and what that looks like uh, from his perspective uh what we love about him is his one-on-one stuff and when he does defend against opponents he's got a real competitive edge but yeah what we what we also, you know, like from the other side is that he, he's got a really good offensive brain as well. So he can join in that overlap and he can really, you know, be a meters game type person. Yeah. Um, and, and it's now for him just, again, just having time being able to spend it, you know, as a backman and learning that craft and learning, you know, when he can come off as an offensive player and when he needs, you know, defend really hard as a defender as well. So, but we're seeing um, some really good improvements uh, over the last six weeks. That is, yeah, and look, we've only we've only got a, a a couple of left, and again, we so appreciate this is this is such interesting know. interesting stuff. And I us. reckon everybody listening is absolutely going to love this sort of insight mm-hmm. as well. So again, thanks for your time. <laughs> hey, look, no as I mentioned before, one thing I've been thinking about, and I've got my Essendon senior sort of hat on here, is is for me the midfield. Um, 
I wouldn't say it's a concern, but I can see that our depth is obviously going to take a bit of a hit. Um, and I'm just noticing the form of Clark and Much. Um, yep. And especially with Kobe, he seems to have obviously a real natural ball will ball winning ability and I must admit I thought even though we lost the quarter in the first, the first quarter on Saturday he was actually really helping us out um, I thought he had a really strong start to the game uh, so as far as Dylan Clark and I know Dylan Clark's probably still developing his his probably foot skills um, yep. but I, I think it is coming along but how, how yep. you see them progressing and, and, and as far as even at a future is the midfield alongside a Heppel on those sort of the guys um, firstly, two of the most coachable uh, people you'd ever come across. Oh, wow. um, as far as what they want to learn and what they want to get out of their careers at such a young age. Um, so diligent in the way they approach their football, not only on game day, but throughout the week um, as well. They they attack everything. And it's not just football. They're looking at their basically their recovery, their diet, everything from that perspective you'd probably expect from the third or fourth year player. Um, so from that development and what they've been able to do since they've come into the club, I've, I haven't seen it in a lot of young players when I do because normally it takes a lot of time, but these guys have, have grabbed the opportunity um, straight away. Um, and, and I guess that's showing, you know, in their footy and, you know, Clark, he realises that, you know, he wants to he wants to work on his kicking and, and he's got a program in place that I'm, that I'm working with him. Yep. Um, and I've seen real improvement in the six months that I've been working with him. Yeah, same with, with me, tech. yeah technique um and and Machi um is just another person who we're trying to teach versatility to because he's such a, a ball winning uh player that he's got he we know that he can play as an inside mid and he's been playing a bit more wing just to teach him that that outside um and what that looks like as well and he's been super important for us as well they're both terrific runners so they can both cover, cover the ground really really well and they understand work rate and their ability to still be running the same in the last quarter as what they were in the first quarter as well says a lot for them. They yeah. almost look like more third to fourth year players with their mature bodies, so that's probably helped them too. And they've been super consistent in their training. They've hardly missed a beat in training, and they've hardly missed um, games in the season. So well, when, um, it says a lot yeah. for first years. When we drafted them, I remember um, there was a lot of experts were so surprised where they fell in the draft yep. when they came to us and it was yep. really coming from their coaches saying these are the you know i think it was it maybe buick was he linked to clark yes he was. yeah yep. so i remember saying like you've he actually thought it was a 200 game player that that, yeah. could, that kind of potential so um he they definitely yeah. got that kind of wraps about them how coachable they were yeah no nah, they've been they've been super since they've come in and i really enjoy working with both of them Brilliant. Now the the big boys, the two ruckmen we've got down there, um, yep. the big uh, the big Pom and yep. Draper, um, Draper and Strawny, they they look yep. good. I mean, from what I can see, the the ruckmen take a bit longer. They say, but um, yep. can you tell us about a bit about uh, a bit about both those guys? Yeah, well, Sammy obviously has only been playing football for maybe eighteen months. So, yeah, yeah. Um, he's coming to, but again amazing the development that he's he's shown too and along with uh kobe and, and clarky that he's another one that is so diligent in the way he approaches his football um you know from a professional point of view you you couldn't ask any more of the way he's gone about it i mean when you look at his his diet and the way he's been able to progress this year from a patella foot attendant uh knee injury that we had to rehab um at the start of the pre-season okay we yep. got him through that and when I look at him now, we, he's basically got through a whole season of football, um, which is unheard of. And, and that's a big deal you know, coming from and, from a different sport to, to AFL. It's a, it's a big deal to be able to play that much footy as a big like that. It certainly is. And, you know, that, that's a credit to himself as well, the management of, of what he's doing with his knee and, and obviously his week-to-week program that, that we put in place. And, you know, we've seen huge improvements in him in his, in his ruck work and from where he's come from with his marking, he's been doing a lot of work with Mark Jamer, who's our rough, rough coach. And oh, that's right. Yeah, the a, big rush. Yeah, yeah, spends a lot of time with Rush, um, not only just doing the marking and the bag work and the, the rough contested work, but also looking at uh, vision and education stuff on other ruckmen within the AFL. And so one day when he does become that AFL ruckman, he, he knows the opposition ruckmen are out there, he knows their strengths and weaknesses and how he can sort of combat that. So, He's very astute in that uh, regards of the week-to-week stuff and on what he needs to learn. And um, with Big Strawny as well, he's um, obviously a Bendigo boy, and um, I obviously knew of him 
uh, prior to, to this year. Um, I know he's... Uh, his family quite well. He's uh, his sister and that's very uh, for him to come in. He's shown a lot of promise uh, at Bendigo and, and been showing some good form there. And from a young age, he captained uh, South Bendigo and um, we got him down this year and he just attacked uh, pre-season. And shows a lot of qualities. He's obviously got a, a bit more to fill out from a body perspective, yeah, but yeah. very very competitive and very agile and skillful for uh, a 203 centimetre, you know, Rockman. Um, he, he marks the ball, you know, really well. His work rate is super um, again another very coachable person um, that you have at the club that just has got a willingness to learn willingness to get better um, as well and I've got no doubt that you know if that's in a year's time or you know two years time I think you'll end up on an ASL list somewhere I've got the um, funny feeling you're right too yeah. <laughs> so even when I look at the game that he played against North Ballarat as well you know taking five or six contested marks um, mm. that day as well um, just shows the attributes that um, and needed to, to, to play, you know, AFL or get yourself on an AFL list. And it gets, it's, re- it's really encouraging from a supporter's point of view to see Big Belly and, and Louis fighting out for the number one ruck position. We've got, we've got a great number one ruckman, whoever they want to pick. Yep. We've got a great backup. And then we've got um, Sam coming through and Strawny and that. It's really, it's really yep. encouraging from a supporter's point of view to see um, two good quality sort of AFL-ready bigs and, and, a, yep. and a young king coming through. It's really good. And the fantastic thing about Louis and Tebow is, look, when you look at the start of the year, Tebow was playing football in um, the VFL and his approach to every week in his games, you know, was just to, to do what he could for the team, to play his part. It wasn't about him and then vice versa. When Tebow got that opportunity in the AFL and Louis come back to um, the VFL. Louis has been exactly the same. Yeah. It's team first. What do I need to do? It's not about me trying to get a game because if I play well for the team and I do my role in the team, the game in the AFL will take care of itself. So both their attitudes, you know, coming back to the VFL has been all about helping, you know, the Sam Drapers, helping the, the Kieran Storm if they're playing, working with, you know, Sean McCurran as well. So um, it's been about, you know, a whole team sort of uh, performance from, from their perspective, which has been super. Yeah, and it kind of leads me on to to having a discussion just to, about stance and hocking and, and Howlett when he's been coming in. I Like when I've gone to the games... It has been so impressive of the character of these guys who obviously have returned from some, some stuff that no one wants to go through. But yep. and, and look, they probably signed up to hopefully play seniors, but you just see them on the sideline cheering on the guys, giving them instructions, and I can see it when they're coming off. They, they put an arm around a kid, start coaching him pretty much from the side, and when they're on the ground hocking and stance are doing the same thing that, that that just must be just it's just invaluable for, for you as a coaching group to really oh, have on-field at, coaches at, exactly right you just you just know that for us it's been tremendous because when we look at from a development point of view of the, the younger kids that we have in the side and to have guys that have experience of 200 plus games 150 plus games that are playing in our side yeah. that can teach these guys that can give them on-field leadership and instruction it doesn't have to come from the box because us as coaches know that we can put the trust in the Buddhas, the Howlets, the, the Stantons and these type of guys to, yeah. to talk to these guys on field, you know, make decisions on field without having it to come from the box. It's just huge for us. So um, not only one, is, does it help us, you know, to win games and set up on field, but it also helps and promotes the development of our young kids twofold. Like, you know, if we just had a lot of young kids just running out there, the development probably takes a bit longer, but... Uh, for what they do, and yes, of course, they'd love to be playing AFL. That's that's why they're here. But um, their approach to to the game and, and what they're doing at VFL level has been outstanding. Yeah. So look, look, just one final question for me, and then we'll let you go. And um, I guess just talking about the guys, I guess who are on the VFL list. Um, there's definitely some talent out there that I can see being in an AFL team. Um, probably even as close as next year. So, I mean, there's guys like um, Boyce and Ferry and Hind um, yep. and um, who are just, you can tell they have a certain quality about them. Um, who, who are you sort of seeing as, as guys coming through? You go, you know, and and with those kind of players, I know everyone says, oh, I'd love to see him on an SM rookie list, but the, uh, probably as coach, you just want to see him on a, an AFL list as part of your, because it's kind of it's telling you that your development program's working well, um, no matter what. So um, who, who do you see those guys um, as as far as their journey to hopefully an AFL side? 
Yeah, I think all those three guys that you mentioned there, Shuri, Boyd and Hind, have had really good years for us um, this year. I mean, when you look on the back end of sort of last year, Shuri um, was injured a lot last year, but he showed, you know, so much in the lead up to, towards that state game in the prior year and then got injured. Um, and then even Boyce and uh, Hindy only got a couple of games last year, but having that full pre-season and this year, they've been, you know, guys who have really developed, come through and, and shown their wares at VFL level. And I think those three would be looked at by, by a lot of clubs um, as well. And then, you know, you've got guys like Luxford and we've still got, you know, the likes of, uh, you know, a Jock Cornell, so yeah. that we haven't even seen yet because obviously we've had such a healthy AFL list that there hasn't been a lot of opportunity for, you know, the, the VFL list of players to play a lot of games and consistent games um, in a row as well. And, you yep. know, when you look at, you know, Storney as well, Storney hasn't played um, a lot as well because we've had a lot of, you know, sort of key big men that have been playing also. But I guess the one thing that we all always remind these guys of is it doesn't take 20 games, you know, for you guys to possibly end up on an AFL rookie list or an AFL list. It, it can be two to three games of what you do that these recruiters look at you and go, well, yeah, they haven't played yeah, yeah. because of lack of opportunity. When they have played, they've performed really well. So um, I just think, you know, obviously as much as you want to play as much VFL as you can, sometimes the opportunities that come might be only, you know, three or four games a year. So um, from that perspective, I think the guys that have come in have, have played really good footy and, you know, hopefully see more of them over, over the back end of the year as well. Well... Again, we can't thank you enough. We'd um, love to talk to you for about the next straight hour, Paul. <laughs> we'll be we'll be at uh, we'll be at Windy Hill um, singing um, the guys against Bulldogs. So, Absolutely. Um, yep. Let's 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 get a win and, and keep the momentum going, eh? Nah, thank you very much for your time, guys. I appreciate it. So no problems at all. Anytime. Great. Thanks very much, Paul. No worries. See you guys. Bye. Catch you, Paul. Wow. So how good was that? What a great interview with Paul. Um, look, I hope you guys liked that. Um, we probably wasn't expecting to go for 35 minutes. But... No, Paul was great. Gave us some really good insights. So I really liked his thoughts on um, on Francis and a few other guys like Langford and, and Ridley. So um, I think there was a lot of positive that came out of uh, the interview and um, I can't thank him enough, to be honest. Yep, absolutely. Thank you again, Paul. So let's now go into... Um, we won't go too long because that obviously was a long interview. Let's do a quick sort of wrap-up of the Crows game. Um, obviously being at the ground... Uh, I always had hope we, we could sort of pull something really big, um, but I must admit underneath, I was worried if they brought their A game, I just wasn't sure if we could handle that, and it's probably exactly how it played out. Uh, look, I agree. I mean, Adelaide are, at the moment, where Essendon is, probably, no, I don't think a 40-point better team than us, but I think the result was reflective of how good a side Adelaide are. They're, they're very polished. They've got a lot of talent. And I mean... Brady Smith in the back line was, was fantastic. And, yeah. um, and look, in all honesty, if you said at the start of the game, Sloan, Eddie Betts and Lever would, would have not much of an impact on the game, you'd be wrapped. But they just had still class around. And we, we just couldn't handle their forwards. They were sort of outmarking us. And, and, um, and look, let's be honest, uh, we're probably a few of us were surprised that Hardly got omitted. And we probably... Would have been yeah. an ideal matchup for for Jenkins, but um, it is what it is, mate. If we get Wisher on the uh, on the podcast at any stage, <laughs> that might be a question I might ask him. Just what was going on there? But I mean, you're right. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're, you're right in that. Eddie Betts, seven possessions, zero goals. I mean, yeah. if you you heard that at the end of the game, you'd go, "Wow, we did exactly what we needed to do." But I guess we we missed uh, merit. We missed Fantasia, and it's. They are just, I think, a better side than us. But, I mean, we, we still had great signs. Um, Hurley, again, performed really well. Hooker. Um, Hooker, I swear, if another person tells me he's not a forward, um, I might lose my mind. Um, I, don't know, I don't know how many goals he has to kick each week before people realise <laughs> the man's a forward, especially when he's pointing at players to I think block the, him. I think the key thing with, with Hooker is it's just his body movements doesn't isn't natural like a forward. So that's when that argument comes into play. But... 
it's the it's what he's producing that really that ma- only matters to me. The end result. He's, he's like third. He's thirteenth on the actual Coleman list. So there's eighteen teams, and our second forward is thirteenth. You'd imagine. Um, I mean, like he's not that far from being in the top ten on a Coleman list. Yeah. Now, if if you, <laughs> mate, if you're if you're in the top thirteen in a Coleman list, then you are a forward. And end your, of story. And your other player is number two. So number two, and I guess everybody understands that Hooksy probably couldn't run out of sight on a dark night. I mean, he's not he's not the fastest, um, most fluid looking bloke but I mean those hands are undeniable he knows where to put himself and another what three goals four goals from four, him, goals. four goals from him on the weekend <laughs> and did anyone ever think we we're going to see a play of hooky, hooker marking 70 metres out directing the midfield to get pointing, out of their way pointing <laughs> to shepherd me through I'm coming through and, and then and just no decides one. to slot one inside 50 on the on or near the boundary Come on, give the man his give the man his dues. He's he's doing all right as a look. Forward. At the moment, he's he. You know, there's been a number of games now. He's really tried to spark the club, and he's won a and couple. He's, he's won a couple of games in the last quarters, and just through effort. And I'm really pleased with how he's approaching the second half of the year. Um, he's becoming a really dangerous forward. He's helping Joe out tremendously. Um, look, we won't go too much in the. It was pretty one of those games where. You weren't kind of overly angry. You just realised, and and I paid a bit of respect to the opposition. I go, no, that's a really good team. Um, so I wasn't sort of crushed or anything like that. No, neither was we, I. We, we definitely had effort there. Look, I think there's guys that need to improve. I think Collier um, needs to get the ball more. There's some guys who are just struggling a bit. Um, and, it's getting towards and the end of the season. And, and we are carrying them a bit. So I think that's where you have fans crying out and... Probably when you're talking to a Corrigan and seeing these kids, you know, really shining in the VFL, that maybe one or two of them can come through the system now, and and actually even maybe even give the side a bit of energy. And, um, and I reckon one of the things that I picked up from the interview as well is that there really is a plan at, at Essendon, both yeah. at both levels, VFL and AFL. There really is a plan for every single player. They know, they know what they're doing with these players, and they've they've got the likes of Much and Clark. Um, Redmond, Ridley, Begley, Francis, all these yeah. guys, Francis, they they know these kids are talented. They know that, <clears throat> excuse me, the supporters are crying out to see him at AFL level. But I reckon they've, each one's got their learning curve to go through. And, and I think it's 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 encouraging to see those kids come through. But I don't want to single out Collier because there's, there's other players that could lift as well. But it's it's our first year under Wusher again. It's the first year of these these guys learning a brand new game plan. Um, they're putting everything behind them as well. So yeah, and when we say first year under Wusher, we're obviously meaning first year with the actual players all available. Um, so before anyone <laughs> writes in, mm. it's obviously his second year, but we're really saying with the full list to his disposal. Yeah, absolutely, and I guess. That, that for us is, for me and, and Scott anyway, is, is hugely encouraging for the club. I mean, it's Adelaide have had a stable list for a good while now. And it's like it's like the Doggies. The Doggies ended up beating everybody because they had two to three to four years to, to work themselves into a game plan. They knew they've got talented players, sure, but they, they learnt that game plan and they learnt each other. And I think our, our evolution down that path continues. And I, I think, again, from that Paul Corrigan interview, there's a real plan at, at VFL level to grow those kids, to get them into the side, but not until they're ready. Definitely not that. One thing I will say, however, um, and we'll wrap it up there as far as the game review, is they're still, in my mind, and, I, and I'm, I'm happy to debate this with anyone on social media, to me, there's still, in my mind, a, a lack of A-grade polish in the midfield. Um, look, Heps is obviously going really well, and Zach Merritt's all class. Parrish is going well, um, and and Zarakis. But um, we start to sort of tailor off a little bit after that. So it was interesting actually yesterday. Um, Tom Brown uh, on Seven said that Paul Connors was at Essendon talking for an hour, and the link is that he, um, about Josh Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. Now, if we, it is who knows what Tom Brown's thinking, or if it's true, but. I really think we need to go hard. For, I agree. For, um, that's that's to me is a big missing link. Um, that real top end midfielder, uh, whether it's Hopper, I mean Kelly, obviously would be an amazing get. I think would have to actually have to lose a, a player and a, yeah, a first a real, round pick. A serious player. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. And I can see some players. Not that I'm going to name them, but I can see some players that could be on that kind of list. Who we have trade bait. 
where we have where, tried, mate. Where we have we have some players that actually play positions where we have so much depth in. Yep. Um, who are really talented. So it'll be interesting. Very interesting off season. Um, I still think we need to be very active, and and I think we will be. So uh, we we haven't done this before, but we're actually going to do our sort of three two one votes. Um, mainly all lesser than players of the three, two, one. But much, yeah. we thought we actually better introduce this. Um, so look, I, I'll just give you. Our, we'll give you actually our three, two, one. So we had um, a lot of people had this guy's three. So I understand that. But I had McGrath uh, for one vote. I thought he I mean, shut down of Eddie Betts was fantastic. What else do you want this kid to do? I yeah. mean, come on. Um, <clears throat> look, I understand he made a few mistakes in a, in a, probably in a, like a 10, 15 minute period where a couple of goals were kicked against i love that he got so angry about it um and then and then the third play where he almost happened again he, he it was amazing he, he won the ball back ran through and hit a hit a guy on the chest so he has an amazing ability to learn from his mistakes um but for me that was a such a quality performance look two i gave to the skipper heppel um, I just thought his leadership again. He's, Stepped up. He, he's playing a really good month now. Uh, he's, um, he's starting to show the real Heppel I know. Um, so I thought he just his work rate um, was was tremendous and it has been for quite a while. Three, look, I just have to give it to Hooker because I think if you're a coach you, and you're suddenly down by 40 points, you need something to happen. You need, you need, you need a leader to stand up and say, enough, enough of this, we need to get back in the game. And Hooker seems to be that person that that actually is doing that kind of answer for us. Um, and and look, such a silly question in the after presser. An actual journalist actually tells Worsfold, "Are you frustrated, or, or do you have a problem with Hooker pumping his fish to the crowd after a goal?" I mean, please. I loved Wusher's response. And just this look to him, like uh, obviously not. Are you serious? <laughs> so. Hooker was Hooker was sensational. Um, look, it's the first time in our podcast in the seventh. This is the seventh podcast. And this is actually first time I'm going to mention the umpiring. Um, that just was not. That was not equal. Um, we, sorry, that's just. I am so confused with the dropping the ball you, and holding you, the ball. You ain't the only and, one, Scotty. You ain't the and only one. these tackling. I mean, Parrish has this clear sling tackle. The guy lifts his legs, throws him around. That's fine. Like, I don't mind that because I find that footy. But it can't then, us running into an open goal at an important part of the time and and we do it, it can't be the same where, still where the guy gets reported mistakes. and it's a free kick against. Yeah. I'm just over this inconsistency. Um, it seems to be seems to be with us. I don't, I don't know what is it with us. Um, at the moment, where I just was frustrated with the umpiring, I must admit. Um, I don't know. I don't normally mention it. I'm not a big umpire bashing kind of guy because I obviously know that we need umpires to have the game, and 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 I'd never want to sort of really overly drill them. But that just needed to be looked at. Some of those decisions and some of the inconsistency um, just was frustrating. Um, look, just lastly, as we end off the podcast, um, there was obviously news. Um, just prior to the game of Joe Watson um, announcing his retirement, uh, I just wanted to send my complete and utter respect to Joe Watson and, and his family and his dad and what that family and what he has done for the club um, through a saga that just was a joke, to be honest. No player uh, should have to have gone through that, let alone um, the captain. And Job had carried that club just unbelievably well, and uh, and you can tell with on social media and just the affection after he kicked the goal on the weekend how much it's not just it's kind of kind of beyond love how much he is admired and respected. It's 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 at a depth I'm not sure I've seen at Essendon, uh, and and the importance of what that man's brought to our club, and the stability that he's given the club to move forward and to exist to to keep going and to have the players perform um, under his leadership through just horrific times so 
he is was a brilliant player. Look, in my eyes, he's always going to be a Brownlow medalist. I don't really care. He's what a Brownlow medalist. End I of story. I don't really care what anyone says. Yep. End of story. Um, he's a person of enormous character. Um, so we just wanted to sort of pay tribute to Joe. Just thank him so much for his humbleness. I hope he hears this. I really hope he does. For his re- respect for the game, his honour for the game, and we just wanted to honour him as we leave the show and. One, one sort of quote that I, I loved from Job that I reckon, yeah, we'll probably we'll wrap up the podcast on is that he he said in his speech to the boys um, when he was retiring and he said, some captains are, are destined to lead the clubs through um, through the mud and some captains are destined to lead them through the, the clean air. And, mate, I reckon uh, Job is going to be remembered as a, as a bloke who started off <laughs> in the clean air and ended up in the mud, unfortunately. And I reckon... He's going to be all the more respected for it. Um, he is going to be remembered and respected as one of Essendon's finest ever players, both on and off the field. Um, he is to be congratulated on his career, um, and his parents are to be congratulated on, on raising a, on a bloke like that. Um, and he will be absolutely sorely missed. I can I bet you next year, this time next year, we'll be wishing Job was playing. So, but he's had a great career. It comes around for everybody, and. Um, I think everybody should be checking out the highlight reels next year because um, we've, we've, we're losing a really, really special player. Yeah, and, and it was true. I mean, Job did actually make an interesting point when he said, I've always wanted to lead the club in better hands than I started. Yeah. And who would have thought? I mean, you, you would have thought, oh, no, he's going to lead the club in, you know, in such a horrific moment. But geez, coming out of this year and seeing the on-field... I mean, the, the off-field, the actual how the club is being run. I mean, even Joe very openly says it. it it's, it's a new club, um, and it's, it's really going places. And it was just so nice to hear him tell the players direct the club is in, in much better shape than when he started. And, and that's in a tremendous honour to him. Um, and I thought Xavier Campbell um, really honoured him well um, in, yeah, the, absolutely in front of the players. And it was just a nice moment for the club. And um, I just think we now can go on and, and celebrate him. And um, I know one day, I, my favourite city is New York. I know one day I'm going to go there and I can't wait to order a coffee I'm and just order shake his hand and say, thanks, Captain. Double decaf latte with a twist of bombers on from that boy one day. So. So anyway, thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed the VFL sort of orientated podcast. Yeah. Um, we actually have some, hopefully from here, we're going to have some continued guests coming on. Um, uh, let's let's hope uh, a few Smoking Joes and Ron Connolly and... and I'm hearing rumours about Cess as well. Yes, and Xavier Campbell's, yep. yep. So we've got some really exciting stuff coming up. Hope you enjoy the show. Um, all the best and let's go and beat Gold Coast by a bit of a margin and um, and let's um, let's see if we can sneak into these finals go for it go Bombers thanks boys <laughs>